0: All right, so we're back with the Theotivity Podcast, and I'm really happy today to be talking to Alex Kloostom. And Alex, how are you doing, brother? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm so thankful that you came on the podcast today. How about you tell our audience a little bit about you? Give me a brief introduction about yourself, you know, where you're from, what's your background, and why you think that pineapple should be on pizza. (laughs) Well, I 100% think pineapple should be on pizza. (laughs) My kind of guy, yes. Yeah. (laughs) You can hang out with Caribbean people. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, I married one, so that's good. There you go.
1: Is, Is that a thing? Is that a thing in the Caribbean?
0: It is for me and it was for a okay. lot of trinities. So yeah. I don't know if that's a thing Caribbean wide, but definitely for us. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Well I well I do like trinities. so I married a Bajan, but uh nice. And she does like Hawaiian pizza, that's her favorite. So maybe it is a thing. <laughs> All right. Um yeah. I'm from Peterborough, Ontario, mm-hmm. where I am uh presently in studio in the upper forty studios and um Nice. I am I'm in pastor. the underground ba- bunker here. You know, the just bunker? In case
0: the, yeah, just in case the CCP gets me, you know.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah, and all of our podcasts, we used to, Jeremy used to do the intro, coming at you live from the bunker beneath City Hall, so <laughs> we know what that's like. But yeah, I'm nice. from Peterborough, I'm uh, mm-hmm. married to Rebecca, I have two children, and I'm a pastor at Hill City Baptist, and um, we started a classical school in Peterborough, Quartha classical Christian school. Nice. And we started a Christian media company, Dominion Press, mm-hmm. and I'm a co-host on the Dominion podcast. So those are those are the
0: things that keep me busy. Awesome. Yeah, busy man. The Theotivity Podcast. Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together. Here you'll find audio narration of articles, episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts, and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians, and much more. At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. And uh, I might have to have you back on another time to talk about classical Christian education. I yeah, I'd be recently, happy to. Yeah, I recently read a book by He Who Shall Not Be Named, Mr. Douglas Wilson, <laughs> that uh, I think pretty much pushed me over.
1: <laughs> okay, you know what's crazy? Uh, like, uh-huh. I'm not on social media enough to follow all this. Yeah. But I keep seeing people allude to the fact that Christian Twitter is like melting down over Doug Wilson right now. <laughs> and the weird thing Isn't is, always? it's like, yeah, I'm just kind of like, did you guys not know this man existed before? <laughs> I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. Yep. yep. So I, do you know what triggered this?
0: No clue. No clue. Okay. I don't have time to keep up with all the latest uh, yeah, you know, good gossip you. about the reformed world. Yeah. So, but anyways, let's jump in. Uh, people aren't here to hear us talk about um, reform Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to jump into what we what we what we uh dis- we're gonna discuss today, which is yep. uh, an article that you guys um, released on Dominion Press. It's an open letter to the churches and your colleague, mm-hmm. I think Ben Ben Inglis? I'm not sure if I'm yep. pronouncing it right. Uh, yeah. He wrote an open letter to the churches in Canada in April of 2023 um, mm-hmm. concerning the issues uh, and in respo- uh, about the response to lockdowns right? Mm -hmm. And in it, you mentioned that you perceived that there had been an effort to like recast the situation in a different light. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: uh, you know, that that was concerning. So Mm -hmm. would you care to, you know, maybe comment a little bit on that? And, you know, would you explain, you know, uh, perhaps to somebody who doesn't see it that way? And I'll make sure to link, by the way, that open letter in the description for this podcast. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's so much to be said, but the letter you know the letter you should read the whole letter because we try really hard to articulate ourselves the reason we wrote it was because there has been an intentional effort amongst the unbelieving world say journalists um obviously health bureaucrats people who were responsible for catastrophic failures mm. um and, and entirely predictable catastrophic failures with enormous human consequences, uh, there has been a pattern of them uh, whitewashing what has happened. Hmm. Now, understandably, this is what sinners do when they're caught in their sin. They try to hide and cover and blame. This is what happened with Adam and this is what happened with all of his children's sins, right? Hmm. Um, So it shouldn't surprise us that the people who are morally culpable for um, just the utter human destruction that we've witnessed because Mm. of total failures of health policy um, and the consequences that came from that would want to cover their tracks. I mean, that's Mm. understandable, right? We shouldn't be Mm. surprised. But what was surprising to us is that the Christian church, the professing church, who ought to have known the co- human consequences um, to the to um, lockdowns and to a lot of the antisocial um, behaviors that were encouraged to taking people's jobs, to forbidding family from having loved ones near them when they die... Um, mm-hmm you know refusing medical care to people in desperate need like we 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 should know that this was going to happen mm-hmm. and we're silent but the most concerning part is now that we've run that experiment and the results are in definitively the the church has not only been silent but has in certain instances attempted to rewrite history mm-hmm. and so there was a podcast that the gospel coalition Canada did with Paul Carter, and Paul Carter has been the main opponent of the Church of Jesus Christ for the last three years. Mm. Um, the threat, the th- in Scripture, the threats to the Church are rarely from without. Mm. Okay, um, yes, we have an enemy, the devil, who seeks to destroy us. Uh, yes, um, the state and unbelievers will often rise up against the people of God. That's true, but it seems like Paul's concerns in his letter are actually to do with the proclivity towards sin and corruption within the church. Mm. And the greatest dangers are within. And and we certainly saw that as the case that the most destructive voices against the church and therefore against our neighbors were from within. And Paul was certainly one Mm. of those. Mm. Um, He's a very deceitful man. He said a lot of deceitful things. and He's continued his trajectory in doing that and hosting a podcast where he essentially lied about what has happened and he did so in such a way that has removed moral culpability from him and his uh, compadres Mm. and overlooked the suffering of the people who were afflicted under things that he um, supported. Mm. So we we just felt like, look, the church is called to speak on behalf of the afflicted to open our voice for the oppressed and to defend you know God's honor and certainly um we can't always you know influence unbelievers but we need to call out people who claim the name of Jesus hmm. and who are who are um not faithfully bearing that name so that's hmm. kind of the context of why we wrote what we wrote we, they they did a podcast and he interviewed pastors from across Canada and the sheer ignorance and um Basically, confession of privilege was staggering. I mean, it was hmm. almost cr- it was cringy to listen to. I actually took two weeks to listen to the whole thing because it was it was. Uh, there's a German word for when you feel embarrassed for people who ought to feel embarrassed and don't. And I don't. There's no English equivalent, and I don't know hmm. what the German word is. But that's That'd the feeling I word. felt. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. these men should be utterly ashamed of themselves. Hmm. And there was no shame in their voices. Mm. So they, when they talk about the last three years, they talked about it as if it was a minor inconvenience mm. and that any voices who question the state's decisions and the um, forbidding of the worship of the saints were essentially divisive, selfish people. Mm. And these tactics are actually very feminine tactics. They're underhanded ways of not dealing directly with your opponents and their arguments, mm-hmm. but of caricaturing them and straw manning them and, and essentially trying to ruin their it's character assassination. It's a it's yeah. a feminine tactic it's of aggression. Yeah. Yeah, it's what women do to cancel each other. Uh mm-hmm. not grown men and certainly not, not pastors. Mm-hmm. So so we said, look, um what should have happened during when when in March 2020 is the Christian church in Canada should have humbly sought to gather together, especially brothers who, who share the same confession. Hmm. Like I, I would uphold the Gospel Coalition confession. It serves as a basis of our church's confession hmm. with some very minor adjustments. It's solid. There's there's a lot of men yeah. who would um, unite doctrinally. We should have come together and said, look, this is... In some ways, a new situation for the church. What do we need to be thinking through, mm. and what are the moral issues at stake? What are the theological issues at stake? What precedent yeah. is there through a church history?
0: And Et that's an important, yeah. uh, you know, point that you make too. That you know there is a lot of uh, theological agree- agreement uh, between, let's say, these two sides. I don't like talking that way, but um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the Reformed confession, or even just uh, overall generic Reformed-ish sort of theology, um, a lot of them yeah. are not necessarily formally confessional. Right? Um, so, and I think that's what made, or makes this so much more difficult because it's um, it's, it's within the camp, so to speak, right? Um, it's yeah. not like some fringe, you know, uh, other denomination or group within Christendom uh, that's maybe heterodox or something. But these are our brothers who, you know, we would share a lot of core theological convictions uh, that have seemed to really miss the boat on this one. Um, what yeah, do you think th- that is? Well, I,
1: I, th- I think a couple of things. One, yeah. re- sound doctrine, the term for sound doctrine, sound means healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's called healthy doctrine. Paul uses that phrase in First and Second Timothy. And he does because you can judge someone's doctrine by the fruit that it produces. Mm-hmm. And healthy doctrine is meant to produce good fruit that's in accordance with the gospel. Mm. And um, there's an inseparable link between what we think we believe and what we do. Mm. Now, sometimes reform guys can um, wrongly reduce belief to our thoughts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and in the Bible, belief is not what you think. Mm. Uh, thinking is part of it, but belief is what you do. Uh, James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Yep. And a faith without works is actually dead. And there's a tendency amongst, you know, reform guys who are more on the intellectual end of things to think that you believe something um, without practicing it. Mm. And so what does it mean, in other words, that we share the same confessional statement? What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, what most people say is if you ask them if they agree with it, they would say yes. But that's not what the Bible means by belief. That's Mm -hmm. the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. To know if you believe what's written there, you have to look at your actions. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And what we saw is that a whole lot of men who guarantee have been telling their, for example, been telling their congregation, their whole ministry, that the Lord's Day is a thing. Mm -hmm. And that gathering together is a requirement of Christians. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, like Paul, come out when it's a cost to gather, when there's consequences for gathering, Mm -hmm. mainly to your reputation, um, to your job. You might lose your job and your source of income. Uh, You might have people in your church angry at you, maybe some big donors. You got Mm -hmm. some doctors on your board, right? Right. When it's costly, you see what people really believe. Hmm. And a lot of these guys don't believe that. Yeah. They they would say they think that. They would offer mental assent. God doesn't really care about your mental assent. The hmm. demons know that God exists. And they tremble. Um, yeah. But they don't honor Him as He is.
0: So and let so me tease this out a little bit. Um, because, you know, part of it too is like, And let me know if you agree with this, uh, because this is something I've been thinking through a lot as well. Um, I feel like part of it's also a difference in how we understand both the gospel and gospel living. um, That was maybe not evident until these circumstances came around. What I mean Mm -hmm. by that is like, you know, the difference between it's been framed this way, you know, pietism and piety right? Yep. The difference between the lowercase gospel and the capital gospel, like capital G gospel, where lowercase gospel, I would say, is like, you know, just fixated on, on justification. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's what a lot of, the, of people mean by the gospel. It's not gospel issue. They mean that it doesn't affect your justification. But that's such mm-hmm. a small piece. That's a very important cog, obviously. But it's, it's a small piece of the gospel, because the gospel is good news, not just to souls in a Gnostic sort of way, but mm-hmm. it's good news to all of creation. I mean, look at Romans 8. The whole creation is way for the revealing of the sons of God to so that it would mm-hmm. be freed from his bondage to decay. So mm-hmm. there's this big, a capital G gospel that I think perhaps is lost and maybe has led the church down this sort of Gnostic tendency where you mm-hmm. can separate and compartmentalize these things. And unfortunately, I think a lot of these men don't see the inconsistency in that. I don't see perhaps a slide into t- into pi- uh, this pietistic thinking because and this is where i want to hear your uh, this was not on our script but i want to hear your, your feedback um i feel like sometimes it's a real danger for pastoral ministry especially if that's your full time vocation because when you're only in that ecclesiastical sphere of life you become sort of detached sometimes from the realities oh, yeah. on the ground of other people um yeah. and so, you know for you to be able to talk a certain way about oh it was just a minor inconvenience you sh- that's really easy to see if you're a pastor who's not going to lose his job over anything. Right? Yeah. Yeah, when you heard these guys talk
1: about, then they didn't have the same experience, mm. but you had one share that it was, you know, essentially things were the same. Me and my elders bubbled together and it was almost, it was shocking to me that he said that out loud. Mm. So your congregation and your neighbors and your fellow man goes through unimaginable suffering. And your response at the end of that is, I don't know what these peasants are upset about, because life was pretty good up here in the castle, so they can mm-hmm. just shut up. like that's essentially what these guys are saying. and these are mm-hmm. supposed to be men who, you know, I, I bet these guys have preached sermons talking about how pastors need to shepherds need to smell like the sheep. I bet all those guys have said that before. Mm-hmm. but when when you know when the rubber hits the road, these guys were nowhere to be found, mm. and so they, it was a shocking confession of their own insulation from the trials and the sorrows and the afflictions mm. of their congregation and those around them. Mm. And it was, it was, it, it it wasn't an excuse that they thought it was. It's an indictment. Mm. It's an indictment on them that they are like the shepherds of Israel who fleece the sheep for their own good. Who, who sought their own comfort and prosperity at the expense of, that's, that's, who, you're, that's who you are acknowledging you are. Mm. So when you hear them talk about their experience, it bears no resemblance to reality. None. It's, mm. I, I, my, my uh, buddy was like, I was listening to them and I just wondered like, where were you for the last three years? Mm. And I'm not talking about Twitter. Yeah. I mean like, how do you say that to people who were fired because they didn't want to undergo a health procedure that ended up being very dangerous and having yeah. zero benefit mm-hmm. and objectively apart from that just simply wasn't tested mm-hmm. like it, it, it every pastor should have acknowledged off the off the bat. it's like, look, there is an emergency exemption. this thing is being pushed through. just you can make your own decision, but there has mm-hmm. been no testing. Mm-hmm. so it's like those people lost their jobs. They're like, my dad, my dad died in long term care." Mm. sad and alone and Mm. confused with severe dementia you think he understood what was going on all he knew Mm. is for the last year of his life he saw his family once Mm. like that's all that's all he knew yeah um yeah that's the
0: reality and that's the the story of many people who went through this yeah i think like sometimes when this is spoken about it can be almost spoken about in a dispassionate way where you know we're you know bickering over the theology and sphere sovereignty and all these other things which i mean important stuff to, yeah. to obviously talk about uh, but it's the human experience and the human stories of people just like you i mean for me like uh, you know my family a lot of them is in trinidad i couldn't see them for mm-hmm. two years because i wouldn't take a, a medical procedure and mm-hmm. during those two years like my grandfather passed away i couldn't mm-hmm. go to his funeral um so these are real costs real things that happened because of clear overreach from the government Oh, um, well, just and, and there's and there's the,
1: such severe, mm. like the UN, I think, just released a document this week that over 220,000 children mm-hmm. died in Southeast Asia because mm-hmm. they couldn't get the medical, beca- expressly because of yeah. the policies
0: were put in place. It's like, like, how how do you sleep with that? Yeah, the the collateral damage is is. Is inestimable, and the yes. only metric that was that was that was even considered was the spread, was the numbers of COVID, you know, cases, uh, which I mean that's questionable as well too. But it's like we became so transfixed on that, and yeah. it was sad to see that so many in the church were thinking that way too. Because if anything, like Christians should have a holistic idea, holistic holistic understanding that life is more than just the biotic functions. Yes. Right. We are way more than just that. We are social animals as well, too. Social creatures, sorry. And um, we're made in God's image for that as well, too, to 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 have community. And you take that yes. away from someone. Like, why is it that the most intense punishment you can give someone is, is, is isolation? Right? Yeah, a solitary if, confinement. And we yeah, did that. Apart, apart from, you don't
1: even have to look at the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a pastor and you couldn't in March 2020... Mm -hmm. Have looked at your congregation and said, even if you thought that it was a necessary thing to do, you needed to say, this will have absolutely devastating consequences on people's Mm -hmm. bodies and souls. Because we know that forsaking the assembly of the saints and neglecting fellowship Mm -hmm. brings spiritual ruin. Every pastor should know that. Mm -hmm. And... We know that life is complex and integrated. And when you take people's jobs away, when you push fear upon them, when you isolate them from one another, mm. um, the, the the level of destruction will be massive. And, and every mm. Christian should know that, and every pastor. And if you... If you mm. didn't know that going in, you are completely unqualified. Like you can't mm. you can't say, hey, man, lockdowns are novel and we've never had this happen. We didn't know. It's like that's like saying I didn't know if I put my hand in the fire or get burned. It's like if mm-hmm. you sincerely didn't know that, you, you have no business, mm. you know, being in charge of other people's spiritual well-being and physical well-being because you are so mm. incapable. Mm. So they're, they're just... It was entirely predictable. Yeah, all yeah. the results we're seeing are things that everybody could have predicted.
0: Yeah, and many were, and they were yeah. going to shut down. But let me yeah. let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate because uh, you know I want to make sure that we're not just preaching to the choir, right? Like if there are some people who are perhaps on the other isle of this, uh, we want to make a compelling case for this. So you know, how would you respond to someone who's saying, you know, listening to all of this and they're maybe agreeing with some of it and saying, well, but you know, Alex, that isn't all of this just being divisive, right? Like, shouldn't we just forgive the sin and just move on, right? Like, isn't that what Jesus would have us to do, you know, to surely, the, you know, this sort of dragging it on. Look, look, we're like, we're no longer under the lockdowns. There's no longer any mandates or whatnot. Like, this is not productive. Like, we should just forget it and move on. Like, what would you say to somebody uh, who has that sort of objection? Well, I, I would say what do you want.
1: You said two things. Do you want me to forgive you or do you want me to forget what you did? Because you keep using those words, you know, I noticed that you asked me to forgive you. But then before you repent, you just really, you want me to forget what you did. Mm -hmm. And so as a Christian, we believe that, um, yes, we are saved by grace through faith. But the flip Mm -hmm. side of the coin of faith is repentance. That in the Bible, uh, faith and repentance are inseparable. And where you Mm -hmm. have one, you have the other. And where you don't have one, you don't truly have the other, and so our forgive. So if Paul Carter came out and said, you know what, um, when this happened, I had an inordinate love of the praise of man. I wanted to preserve my reputation and my clout. I had important people who are uh, major donors in our church, who I and I had people who I knew would be really angry at me if I took a solid stance, and I gave in to. Cowardice, and um, I deceitfully and manipulatively tried to carve out a position that was insincere, and Mm. I opposed my brethren and opposed the Lord Jesus Christ, and I ask you to forgive me for my sins, and I I say this without any rhetoric. I would one hundred percent immediately and fully forgive him, Mm. and I would do a podcast and write an article celebrating his repentance Mm. as the father celebrates the return of the prodigal son. Mm. And um, I would try to, by God's grace, not be like the Corinthian church who then had to be written once they rebuked the man for his sin that they must Mm. now receive him. Yeah. So I I want to say, I'm the one calling for repentance, and I'm Mm. the one willing to receive forgiveness unequivocally Mm. and immediately and to the fullest extent, um, if they repent of their sins. Mm-hmm. Now, what these men are doing is they're actually not showing humility and godliness. They're continuing their practice of deceitfulness, and they're doing what Adam does. They're mm-hmm. blaming, you know, oh, the woman you gave me did this. Is what he said to God. He essentially blamed God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not my fault. It's it's actually her fault and yours actually because you <laughs> gave her to me. Yeah and he tried to hide and cover and blame. So um no, uh that's not going to work. Yeah. Now, I would say too if 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 those men did acknowledge that, um I would say that they clearly have um character issues to work through and and you're you're not to appoint leaders based on potential but proven faithfulness. Hmm. So I would say, you know, you shouldn't be pastoring right now with that with that degree of corruption, and and that's not to say I don't forgive you, mm. but you need to demonstrate fruit in keeping with repentance. So I would say mm. it's probably good for you to take a year off at least, and just be a part of a church, and be under faithful elders, and mm. let them observe your life, and see that what you're saying is sincere, as evidenced by your uh, actions, not just your words. Mm. Um, so there could be consequences to our f- sins and failures, which isn't Which isn't to say that we're not forgiven. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's actually a mercy of God um, to kind of help us stay on the path of repentance. So, no, I'm not. This is not me just being angry and picking a fight because I'm irritated at these guys. This is, or being unwilling to forgive. This is unequivocally, I would 100% forgive. They Mm -hmm. need to confess their sin.
0: And that's important to distinguish because there are some, there are some. Uh, who I think ha- are harboring a root of bitterness over this. And yeah. that's an unhealthy thing to do, right? Like even in all of this and uh, everything that we're saying, I want to make that clear, right? That yeah. like what sh- the heart behind it should not be a heart of bitterness. It should be a heart that, like Alex has said, is, is is willing and ready, has forgiveness ready there waiting. <laughs> and like, yeah. if, you know, is waiting to respond basically. But... Tease that out a little bit for us, because I think sometimes that's a misunderstanding, too, that we should just forgive. But is repentance required for forgiveness? So, so does somebody have to repent first before you forgive them? Um, I, think that, I think that we, there's, there's
1: several senses to this biblically. Okay, so sometimes forgiveness is referring to the entire process of reconciliation, right? Including reconciliation. So I think that, and then other times forgiveness is simply from our end. Like when we, when our enemies wrong us, we still forgive them Mm. um, for their sins, even though, you know, just as Jesus prayed, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. There's a sense in, but, but, you know, those guys didn't all go to heaven. So Mm. a sense in which forgiveness is, a decision that we make not to treat people according to their sins, mm-hmm. right? Or not to only treat people according to their sins. And um, that forgiveness, be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as you have been forgiven in Christ. The, mm-hmm. the, the condition of that forgiveness or the moral prerequisite for it is the forgiveness of Jesus. It's not actually the repentance of those people. So within the Christian community, we ought to have a tender hardness towards one another and a willingness to forgive others, um, be, not because of their actions, but because of Jesus' actions. So on mm. the one hand, that's true. Mm. So would you say uh, yeah, that there's
0: ahead. maybe a, a difference between how you should deal with it when you're talking with someone who claims the name of brother as opposed to an unbeliever in terms of this this topic of forgiveness and um requiring repentance before forgiving um i th- I don't think there's a difference. i think whether they're a
1: believer or an unbeliever there's a there's a level of forgiveness that you always ought to offer to people mm. but within the church, we discipline people and those who do not um, receive discipline are not legitimate children we read in Hebrews, right mm. and so does that mean that we're not forgiving people like is this a contradiction like if you if you Basically, to discipline someone, you're making them bear a level of consequence for their actions. Mm. And that's actually a means of God to awaken them to the eternal consequences that await them if they don't repent. Mm. Um, So when you discipline your child, or you discipline a brother or sister in the church, are you contradicting yourself? Are you failing to forgive them? Mm. Well, that's why I think we need to distinguish what we're talking about here when we say forgiveness. No, I don't think God contradicts himself. I don't think we're faced with the decision of whether to forgive our children or whether to forgive a brother or sister or a pastor who needs to be disciplined um, or whether they're disciplined. So I think that when I say forgiveness, what I mean is um, that they are absolved of the consequences of their actions. So. I still think that men who have not repented of their sins bear the consequences of those actions and the responsibility for them, namely that they are not qualified to be in the position they are. And if they continue in unrepentance, that they should be disciplined. Hmm. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that I'm justified to hold a posture of resentment towards them hmm. or bitterness to sinful bitterness towards them. Um, but it's you can't change what they've done and that there's consequences. Yeah. yeah. So, so in, the, in that sense, you know, they can't be forgiven without repentance. They can't be fully absolved right. of those things.
0: I, I would say, perhaps, a better way to phrase it is like reconciliation can happen, yeah. restoring of the relationship. Mm -hmm. right um and like you said you opened off that that there's a sense where forgiveness encapsulates all of that right yes um so i think like for that to really happen and i really do um Desire that I know you do too. That came mm-hmm. out in the letter as well. Uh, so definitely read the whole letter if you're if you're just listening to snippets here, um, because the heart behind it is to see reconciliation happen. Like already as yes, it is, the Christian community in Canada is small enough, and then on top of that, the Reformed Christian community is even smaller. So what a shame it is if we can't you know reconcile.
1: Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. um, not everyone's in the same boat. Like even in that interview, there were clearly guys who not only had different experiences, but I even sensed had different postures. Mm. And I I think my concern with that, I guess my exhortation to them is, look, if you don't want to be lumped in with a flaming hypocrite, then don't be uh, lumped in with a flaming hypocrite. Mm. Like this, don't, don't say I'm down with everything Paul Carter is and does and says. Because there are, I think there are different categories. I mean, Scripture clearly mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander. Um, Paul mentions other men who did him great harm, mm-hmm. and he calls them out by name.
0: Yeah, Alexander Coppa Smith.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that Paul Carter's in the category of the the degree of deception and harm that he's caused, like the, his insatiable desire to control the narrative, his total avoidance of sincere conversation. Like I personally was talking to him online and he just, he took it offline so that people didn't see it because I was making good points and then tries to flatter me. And, and it's just, it's gross. Like this guy's in a different category. He's not that pastor who's weak need and is confused and who, who, genuinely wants to do the right thing to one degree but has hmm. inordinately been influenced by accusations and fear hmm. Hmm.
0: and i so would, would say, you say that, that person, yeah sorry would you say that those exist though like you know at this point in history because like you know that's something i, I wrestle with, with as well too because like you know let's say two months into the pandemic yeah some grace there like we're all figuring it out there's not as much data and so on a year into it, even there's still Perhaps some people who are, you know, don't have the right news sources or whatever it is. Uh, But, you know, this far out now, um, is there still that cover of ignorance, let's say, of uh, that could be
1: legitimate? No, and I think that actually Mm -hmm. died very quickly. Okay, Mm -hmm. because um, that side, I know you don't like to use it, but it just is true. Mm. Um, That side was not characterized by humility and the seeking of wisdom. They weren't that what they did is they they proof texted and did horrific exegesis that they would never let one of their interns do on Romans 13. Mm -hmm. They they had a novel, shallow, unbiblical interpretation, Mm -hmm. which is one idea based on one verse that they used to to say, I don't need to think and study this anymore in my mind, which to me is the difference between an excuse and a conviction, right? Mm. A conviction is something that doesn't make you afraid to look around because mm. you can have that strength, that conviction strengthened by the truth. But an excuse is one where you get it and you stop looking.
2: Mm.
1: So they they did that with their exegesis. Mm. But also, here's the other tell: name one guy from that camp who has consistently voiced their concern for the injustice. Against the oppressed, name one. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm sorry, I'm not talking in, about virtue signaling. Yeah, I'm not talking about.
0: Week, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I'm not talking about like their yeah. random fake pity mm-hmm. when they say, "Yeah, lockdowns are hard, and we're all in this." I, I'm not talking about that. I mean, who has publicly said what is going on is sinful and wicked and wrong, mm-hmm. and here are the costs to people's lives, mm-hmm. even if they believe that they're duty bound by conscience to go ahead with it. But you know why they don't say that? Because they don't want to acknowledge reality. Because this mm-hmm. isn't actually about finding the truth. This is about finding an excuse. And if if they say on the one hand we have to do this and on the other hand people's lives are being ruined and the weakest and the most vulnerable around us especially are being slaughtered by this, mm-hmm. well then people start asking so then why are you supporting it? Why are you, then why are you do, why are you participating in this? Yeah. So um they suppressed their conscience and they settled for excuses within the first six months. Mm. And, and I'll tell you, I, I had an experience, right. Where our church, they, people don't remember, they didn't have masks for like six months or something. Like it was like mm-hmm. September or something. And yeah. Peter
0: was saying not to.
1: <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, well, even, yeah. yeah, even our health unit was like, we'll never do yeah. that. And because it's absurd, but, mm. um, When they first did it, it was, I think, the fall of 2020. It was still confusing. And I would say Mm -hmm. the hardest part about it was like it felt a little weird. Like it was kind of embarrassing. Like I felt like I feel like an idiot. Like no one was (laughs) as scared of the virus at that point. I think in Peterborough, the fall of 2020, we had like two deaths or something. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was crazy. Like no one. There were these ghost stories about hospitals that that Mm they just no one could find evidence for being overrun Mm. any more than usually are every single flu season but no one was seeing any of their neighbors Mm. any of their friends any of their relatives dropping up we're in a pandemic and no one could even tell you of anyone who died yeah
0: outside that was one one of the things i that that struck me in terms of like once mandates came for vaccines I was like, you know what? If this really was like, let's say the bubonic plague, where like one in three guys around you is dropping dead, you don't need to convince me. You don't need to mandate you don't, anything.
1: <laughs> you don't need the news. You don't need Twitter. You don't need yeah. social media. You just look around. Mm-hmm. And no one could see that. I remember a former friend who was so angry at me. I remember him rebuking me on the phone. He was messaging me and saying he knew someone who lost their sense of smell. I was like, dude, my dad was literally just found face down in a pile of pool of his own blood where mm. he'd been for hours by himself mm. because no one's looking after him. It's like, what do you, wow. it's like this guy had to make up horror stories, mm. you know, and, and his horror story was pathetic. It's like, mm. dude, that is not, what's happening to people in, in long-term care right now is a, is a horror story. Yeah, um, your friend not being able to smell for a couple of weeks is not a reason to do that to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but we're also with this, this is, is
0: this is not to say that there weren't uh, serious cases as well, too. Like, I do know yeah. some people who, you know, there were serious cases and I you I know, not many, but a few who died. I myself got actually an early bad case of COVID, um, had pneumonia. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that was not pleasant at all and <laughs> felt close to the end uh, at some points. Uh, but it wasn't the COVID itself. It was pneumonia that uh, that developed in my lungs after. Well,
1: um, I, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, I was in the ICU, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I almost died of pneumonia. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I know, I'm not saying that no one was affected by this. Yeah. Although it was, there was effective treatment for it, mm-hmm. which I did get. Which was get.
0: being denied.
1: Yeah, which, yeah, unfortunately yeah. I did have it. I got doctors and nurses did hook mm-hmm. me up with that. Mm-hmm. And I went from death's door to find anyways where i'm going with this was yeah. the first sunday we see that there's a mask mandate at the facility we we're meeting at and i wore one in before church to go to prayer like you had to walk through the lobby and wear it but you could take it off once you're in this room it was just stupid <laughs> right and i remember but no yeah. one was really there mm. but i remember going back to my house and picking up my family and coming back to the building and walking up to the building and just about to put it on and my conscience was pricked because I mm. knew that it wasn't effective. I knew that this mm. is aerosol particles, and it's not a point. It's not a point of debate or controversy. It's as yep. controversial as if you throw water at a chain link fence, will any get through? There's no, there's no controversy <laughs> on that. Yeah. And because I knew that, I I knew that I would be lying, mm. personally. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's never a case to do it. You know, when my dad was dying. Dude, I threw on goggles and gloves and a hazmat suit and, you know, I did everything I could to be with him in his yeah. final moments. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, I knew, and I often think back to that hmm. and think what would have happened for me in the last three years if I ignored that that prick of my conscience hmm. and if I had effectively it's funny with the hypocrite in Scripture. It's someone who wears a mask, right? That's where the mm, word comes from. Yeah, yeah. And I would have been literally wearing yeah. a mask and, and being a hypocrite, me personally. Mm. And I just think these guys saw the truth, mm. and they actively suppressed it, and they gathered around themselves other pastors who will affirm them.
2: Mm.
1: And when you do that, bro, like there's no coming back. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell me, but I haven't, I haven't, after the first six to eight months, I had to confess the sin and my failure to my wife and to my church publicly mm-hmm. and to not having the theological or the character um, tools that I needed to lead mm-hmm. us in the first stage of this. Yeah. I don't, nobody I've seen since the, se- once the second lockdown hit, it was like, whatever side you're on, that's where you're staying. Hmm. And it it is an indictment on the church that there hasn't been a shred of humility. And again, these guys won't even now that everything is crystal clear, like every media outlet in the world is acknowledged. There's like 10 things mm-hmm. we could say that are undisputed at this point. Yep. Where are all these guys? Yeah. Where are all these? They're, they're nowhere to be found because they stopped. It stopped being about the truth two years ago. Yeah. So and that
0: that's that's so important, too, because, like, you know, Ninth Commandment, right? And this is basic yeah. to Christianity, basic, yeah. basic stuff, right? I mean, that yeah. was something that 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 hit me, like you as well, too, on the mass thing that I was just like, I am bearing false witness right now yeah. with this face diaper. Like, I yeah. can't do this in good conscience. And mm-hmm. that had to be a, con- a conversation that I had uh, with mm-hmm. the elders of our, our church that we were at. Um mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. Like, this yeah. is lying. This is lying to my neighbor. And, and lying has consequences. It, yeah. And the the the, the, bad, the sad part of it is that, you know, these excuses were made that, oh, yeah, you know, the efficacy can be debated or whatever. Or, oh, yeah, perhaps it doesn't actually work. But, you know, it's such a small thing. Why not just do it? Why not just submit? I'm like. But no, no, no. Lying is lying. Lying has consequences. And
1: here's here's the thing. Because I had I had a pastor come to my living room and say that, Mm. and Mm. he, uh, in the one hand, he told me that one or two young men came to his church to worship, which this church does not have a lot of young men, Mm. and he literally went and turned them away because they wouldn't (laughs) cover their mouth. But in the same breath, he acknowledged that he has no idea whether or not they're effective. And he said that there's elderly people in the church who have health issues, who think they're, they need shared expectations when they come. It's like, do you hear what you're saying? Mm. You're willing to turn those young men away from worship, which you have no authority to do. Yeah. And you don't even believe it works. And you're even willing for this old lady to be under the illusion mm. that she's safe yeah so you're gonna you're gonna lie to those guys you're yeah. gonna lie to this lady you're gonna lie to everyone, and all of it is so that you don't have any trouble like by your yeah. own admission yeah.
0: so it's when a you twisted say twisted kindness
1: yeah it's it's like, yeah. dude, that is not hmm. Christian character and that's not leadership. Hmm. It's like well, so yeah. everyone knows what to expect. It's like is it actually kind to an eighty three year old woman who thinks if she wears a piece of cloth on her mouth she can't get sick? to mm-hmm. come to your church, like you should never say that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What you should say is, look, they're mandating them. And maybe you're, you feel like it's, it's something you ought to, if your conscience allows, obey. But you ought to tell everyone, just so you know, there's no evidence that these things work. And don't come to church mm-hmm. thinking you're going to not catch a respiratory illness because you throw this little piece of cloth on your mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, why do people not say that? Well, guys wouldn't say that because the whole house yeah. of cards falls if you say that. So wait, don't well, saying like that.
0: Like they, they would give the, the excuse that, well, we got to stay in our lane, right? Like that we're yeah. not medical ex- experts, so we can't speak to these things, uh, which is so bizarre of an of a argument for me, um, because, you know, prior to COVID, yeah, that was never a thing, right? Like, yeah. people could have opinions and have educated opinions on things that were not their specialization. But it's like all of a sudden we became hyper specialists that only the experts could speak to these things and only select experts, too.
1: Well, and it's, and it's, it, yeah, it's like you don't need to be an expert to know if a, like, just take your glasses off your face and breathe onto them. Do you see anything on there? Yes, those are aerosols. Like, mm-hmm. experiment over. Yes. And the other thing is, okay. What if what what about when public health, who, by the way, public health, like in my city, it's funny. I noticed in the church basement once, Rosanna Salvatara, the old, she she's the one who stormed our church, the former head of uh, public health. She had a little certificate in the kitchen of a church. Because you know what these little bureaucrats used to do? Check for like salmonella. It's like, these are not world experts in health, dude. These are cat ladies who are expert bureaucrats. They are not, Mm -hmm. this little badge of I'm an expert. You are not an expert. (laughs) I've seen your name in my church basement, wiping down counters. You are not an epidemiologist. Like, yeah, it's just, but the the other thing is, okay, cool. Let's, let's, uh, so what are you going to do? Because they don't think your words are safe. Mm. Public health doesn't think your words are safe. Like yeah. right now in legislation that they don't, they think there's certain bills that talk about um, the speech we used as harmful and unsafe.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, Theresa Tam herself, like to, to add on another thing, said that the next pandemic is, uh, you know, um, environmental, right? It's climate change. Yeah that that's causing, um, you know, untold damage and and costs and whatnot. And we have to, like, consider, you know, that a public health emergency. I'm like, what does climate change have to do with public health?
1: Yeah, but let's, but take the example of the words, though. Mm. Your logic is they're the experts they know, but who gets to determine who's the expert of what? Yeah. Like, you're telling me that I can't even know if aerosol particles can pass through a mask. It's like, well then, on what basis can you say that they don't have the right to tell you what words are safe? Mm. Right. So it's like, well, no, that's our that's our oh, that's our job. It's like, says who? Yeah.
0: Well, I'll fit one more on that because to bring it back to our discussion here, um, I have a lot of difficulty trusting a man to properly handle God's word if something as basic as aerosols can pass through a mask. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Unclear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, if I drop this ball, will it fall? I don't know. It's like, okay, well, until you figure that out, don't preach. Mm. You know, it's like, until you figure gravity out, definitely don't preach. Yeah, And Basic don't take logic. on more complicated issues than one plus mm. one is two and triangles have three sides.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let me move on uh, our conversation here, just because we could keep ranting on, on, on uh, uh, about this, right? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Yeah, not that that wouldn't be fun, um, but would you say that this is an issue that you know because Christians on the ground, I, I want us to also speak to just the everyman, right? Um, because we've kind of addressed the, the leaders and so on. But would you say that this is an issue that Christians should um, or could legitimately leave a church over right now? That um, you know, how are we? I guess the question is to prioritize this issue. Like if you're you know looking at it, you're like, okay, yeah, it might not affect my justification but where on the priority level is this issue for the well, it is. person? You person? Know?
1: Yeah, well, there are other issues, right? It's disingenuous mm-hmm. to say the issue is how big are aerosol particles. <laughs> That's not the issue, okay? Mm-hmm. The issue is whether you have integrity. Mm-hmm. The issue is whether you tell the truth or you're a liar. Mm-hmm. The issue is who has the authority to determine what public health is? So, for example, everyone going to Romans 13 Public health is not under the jurisdiction of Romans 13. Mm -hmm. And what exactly is public health? Because according to public health, that includes literally every area of your life. Mm -hmm. And not only your life, it includes the weather. It includes things that we can't control. So your words, your thoughts, the weather outside, that's all public health. That's a matter Mm -hmm. of public health and safety according to them. So do they get to determine that? And this is a question of the authority of Christ and Mm -hmm. his word. And when you just defer to the state and say, not only do they have this authority, they have the authority to define their authority. Mm-hmm. That's an idolatrous claim. Yep. No human authority has the authority to define their authority. And I can't say that I am, I am the husband of your wife. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm the father of your children and mm-hmm. that they ought to obey me as their father and head. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if I think that. And you can't just say no, you're not, because I don't think so. You would appeal to God.
2: Mm.
1: You would just say, no, God and His Word define the limits of human authority and define human responsibility. Yeah. And if a but Alex, just... Alex,
0: the, the trans movement would have something to say to you, because I self-identify as prime minister. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where that goes, and yep. you see that you mm-hmm. see that a lot of Christians are functionally on board with that. It's like. Mm. Well they're not Christians. They don't believe in the Bible, so we can't expect them to. It's like, okay, well that's why that giant man is in the girl's bathroom. Mm. And you know what? You can't say anything about that. Not you can't even say that it's wrong mm. because you have no right, no authority to do so. Yeah. So, the issue of the lordship of Jesus Christ, the issue of truthfulness, the issue of putting your sheep before yourself, um the issue of proper exegesis, mm. um, you know, all of these things are actually fundamental issues Mm -hmm. the issue of humility the issue of repentance like if you haven't said sorry by now you're not a man who's walking in step with the gospel because it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what creeds and confessions you say you believe a reformed christian is one who is always being conformed to the word of god Mm -hmm. you know semper reformando, right and this mm-hmm. is this is what we miss. Being reformed doesn't mean that you like Luther mm. and Calvin. This doesn't mean that you say the five solas mm. or that you, you know, are part of the TGC count. That doesn't make you reformed. At, at the root, what makes you reformed is your ongoing repentance and faith in conformity with God's word. Yeah. And whenever you dig your heels in, and whenever you reach the place you are unwilling to repent. Mm. then you have forsaken the lord jesus christ functionally Mm. and and that is i mean there's no there's no bigger issue so Mm. no does 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 a mask policy in itself mean you should leave a church of course not Mm -hmm. but what does that mask policy signify Mm. and what is behind it and why is why have their actions persisted as such those are big
0: issues yeah you bring up actually a good point um that jogged my memory to something a story that I know about Luther because, uh, you know, these people who would claim to be followers of Luther and Calvin and so on. Right. Like you look at Luther's response to plague, right? like genuine plague. Uh, it was not like pack up, hightail it and run. Right. It was actually yeah. stay. And one of the things I've always said um, through you know, helping people trying to navigate this thing is like, OK, let's let's just let's let's give them everything. Let's say everything was true. Let's say this was the plague. This was the most deadly thing ever in the world. What should a Christian response be? We mm-hmm. who, you know, believe that, you know, to die is gain, that, mm-hmm. that, that that Christ is worth it, that we should love our neighbor in spite of the danger. Like, should we be the ones cowering and hiding and closing our churches and so on? Or should we be the ones who are willing, even if COVID was as, as deadly as, as the plague? Like, I would say that, you know, Christians of yesteryear would look us look at us in shame.
1: Mm-hmm. At a,
0: a church cowardly, you
1: know. Yeah. Well, and, and you know that people don't actually care about other people's lives. It's just sanctimony, it's virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Because if you cared about people's lives, then why don't you speak on their behalf? Yeah. Um the the what we notice is that this is really a battle between the classes, right? It's the Zoom class who COVID for them genuinely was an inconvenience. But they got to open their laptops. They got to have their iPhones. They got to order skip the dishes. They got to pick up their groceries in their car and just click the trunk and people bring it out. They got to get by. And all of the world accommodated them. They they kept their jobs. They kept their wealth. A lot of them increased it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So for them, it was very different. But for people at the bottom, it was devastating. And everyone knew this. It's like, okay, if this is affecting the elderly, and if it's really just, if we could save just one life, then how come you know that your neighbor has been in isolation, her mom, for six mm-hmm. months? How come, how come you don't say anything about that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like not even the littlest thing. How come you don't acknowledge yeah. that anyway? Not only that, well, I mean, we, you
0: could save one life by just driving 20 kilometers an hour all the time.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. There's a thousand <laughs> like How ways ridiculous you save, do we want to go? You
0: know? Yeah.
1: But you don't, you don't actually care about mm-hmm. people's lives. And to your point about our safety, the safetyism is the real idol here, right? Mm. But Jesus says, you know, whoever keeps his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will will gain it. Mm. I don't think if there's a real plague that it's wrong to um, protect yourself and your family to some degree, as long mm. as it's not at the expense of being faithful. Yeah. And I, where I was convicted as a pastor, is we were having people who having severe pastoral issues, right? And I remember getting text messages and calls like severe situations. And I didn't feel like I was able to go to their house. A combination of. I think it was mainly like I didn't know if I was allowed and I didn't know if they would be cool with it.
2: Hmm.
1: But um, I listened to a podcast, the unbelievable podcast in the UK, actually, and he was interviewing Tom Holland, who's an agnostic. Hmm. And he, I have this book. Yeah, yeah. Dominion, and, right? Um, yeah. yeah, Dominion. Yep. And uh, the priest of the oldest Anglican church, I think, in the in mm. England, um, I think it's from the 1100s. But it's, anyways, they have this tradition, and maybe the whole Anglican church, forgive me, I don't know. But they light a candle on, no, they turn all the lights off on Good Friday, and then they light a candle on Easter Sunday. And mm. they've been doing this for hundreds of years, at least, I think. And the Anglican Church, even though he's the only one there, he lives in a building attached to it, St. Bart's. Hmm. They said that he wasn't allowed by himself to go into the church and light a candle on Easter, even though no one was there. And so he went and did it, I believe, and it was a controversy. So they're having this interview, and one, his story made me realize that there are things worth dying for. Hmm. And I realized... Would it be worth it for me to light a candle in a church to die for that? Mm. And I actually realized that there's a scenario where 100%. Mm. And you think of the famous picture of, you know, the Marines wave, raising the flag in Iwo Jima. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why do you raise a flag? Like that, that, that flag doesn't win the battle. Like, why don't Mm -hmm. you save your life? What's it worth? Is it worth five, six guys? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. It is. There are things that are worth dying for, mm-hmm. and this whole pragmatism and materialism, which reduces everything, as you said, to a biotic function. The highest value is mm-hmm. the preservation of life, mm-hmm. and, and by that we simp- we reductionistically mean biological, material life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't mean eternal life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but we don't, We shouldn't believe that as Christians. The second thing in the indictment that Tom Holland brought was he's like, look, I'm not even a Christian, but like, why in the world is the church just a mouthpiece for public health in the UK? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't even believe this stuff, but like when plagues hit in the past, what you guys have to offer is not a a billboard for public health, it's actually a transcendent truth to give people hope that, uh, to rise above the misery and the tyranny of their existence. Like it's it's something beyond what they're facing. And why are you just, it's something transcended and you're just in the imminent? What's going on here? Mm. And I was cut to the heart.
0: And that's agnostic.
1: And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that guy's not even a Christian. Yeah. And I felt so rebuked mm. and convicted. I'm like, 100%, it is worth dying to meet with people. Mm-hmm. And 100%, the church should be screaming at the top of her lungs, not not every Sunday in our announcements. Stay home, stay safe, and we're all mm-hmm. in this together. And literally, the propaganda talking points of the state.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We should be like, um, "Though you die, yet shall you live." Mm-hmm. Like that's what we should be telling people. Mm-hmm. And if um, he who is faithful unto death will receive the crown, mm-hmm. and the cowardly are cast into the pit of fire like those are the things that we ought to be saying
2: Hmm.
1: and and i i was convicted and that was a big one of the the initial um kind of definitive nails in the coffin
0: for my compliance Hmm. yeah that's good that's good well let's uh let's close this off with uh i'll lead this into it so the article mentions that you And many others desire to see real reconciliation happen right and uh, you know we should all desire this as christians especially since you know the reformed evangelical world as i said is already so small right however one of the things that i've observed that makes things so difficult is that during lockdowns you know we won't see each other face to face and so we're forced to you know not forced to deal with each other's humanity because everybody now becomes an avatar because now you're all on zoom or on facebook or whatever right um so you're not actually having to to deal with each other's humanity. And I think a lot of progress is perhaps forfeit because of that. Because when you have to get in a room and confront someone's humanity and deal with their arguments and deal with the dispute, it's a lot different. It's a lot harder to dismiss them as it is on Twitter or on Facebook as just yeah. an avatar, right? Um, so... I think that, you know, one of the things perhaps that needs to happen, if this is to ever have any hope of moving forward uh, towards actual reconciliation, is that men need to get in a room together. Stop having these cross the distance conversations. Stop tweeting at each other. Just get in a room and hash it out. Right. And perhaps you might even see that, you know, you have more commonality than you thought, or maybe even be able to actually hear what the other side is saying. So all that to lead into this. If, if you had Paul Carter, you know, or... Take a pick from TGC or whoever it is, uh, you know, um, in a room together with you. And, you know, you guys are going to sit and listen to each other and hash it out. What would be one of the things that you would say to him? Like, how would you want to to lead that conversation?
1: Well, I don't if if we were in a room together, not under pretense, not as a signal to our virtue not as a political maneuver to say that we did it, because pastors are so political. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were in a room with insincerity, with a willingness to listen, one, a miracle would have had to have already taken place. Yeah. So to be honest, if we get to that point, I don't know if I would say much. Mm. Um, I mean, I wrote it out in my letter. Like if, if we were to get to that place, I would just listen like they they would have they would have to explain now if they ask questions and said well do you not think that there's any obedience we owe to the state like say there's a genuine misconception or something mm. of course i'd be happy to open the bible and explain to them what the bible teaches about the nature of authority and the nature of the state and how these things function and limited Human authority is a necessity for the true worship of the true God. Like I, I, I'd be happy mm-hmm. to talk about it. But it's not like if I had to get in a room and start rebuking these guys, there's no reason for us to be there. there mm. There's, It's not a conversation that's going anywhere. Mm. But if I'm in a room with you because you're humble and sincere and you're open to the idea that you've been wrong about everything, then there's not much I actually need to say. Mm. So I mean, we pushed for this early. I was mm-hmm. I was even with Paul. Yeah. I remember telling someone um who's connected with TGC to like set it up, man. Let's set it up. Like I talked to Paul personally online, and you know I tried to have that conversation. And I know that you know, like Joe Boot wrote a letter that was that they asked him to write on yeah, these the things. TGC. Yeah, and they yeah. said we're not even going to publish it. So they're the ones yeah. who have censored they're mm. the ones who have gone on narrative control and determined the the Overton window of what's acceptable discourse mm. all of it to keep their position protected so mm. if they were to say we'll stop doing that like ev- it's like you know it's like what would you say if they acknowledged and repented of everything it's like well i would say i forgive you and mm. and and to be clear this isn't personal yeah in the sense i'm very um I'm very angry at the level of wickedness and mm. the and the corruption of the church, but it's not it's not personal sense of I simply have a personal vendetta. Mm. I just feel um very upset because I know many people whose lives have been ruined, and I know people who have died, mm. and I know the consequences of their decisions yeah so it's not it's not like Alex, do these guys owe you an apology? It's like, I don't know, for I mean, maybe they talk about me, I don't know, but
0: it's no it's not really about that. That's not what I'm here for. Hmm. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Well, this was a uh... Intense, uh, but I think good conversation to have. Hey, you you asked for it. Hey, bro. uh, I love having these conversations. That's the whole reason. Like, what's the point of recording something and doing this? If you're just going to talk about stuff that, like, you know, everybody already knows and agrees with, right? Yeah. Um, I want to cover things that, you know, make people think. And hopefully, uh, you know, whatever aisle that you land on in this issue, I hope that it's given you some points to think about. And, um, yeah, I hope that it, it blesses our listeners. Uh Alex, would you mind praying for us uh just as we close? Uh just because this is this is not just us playing podcasts, mm-hmm. right? This 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 sort of conversation is not just about interesting topic that that's sensational just to get clicks and likes. That's not mm-hmm. my heart behind it, at least. Um, but you know, this is for the Church of Canada. This mm-hmm. is for Christ's church in mm-hmm. Canada. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that's that's why we should be passionate about this issue. Mm-hmm um and i'd love for you to just pray for us pray for these mm-hmm. men especially mm-hmm. um, pray for the unity of christ's church for the glory of christ's name in canada mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. would you do that for us? let let's pray yeah. yeah
1: father in heaven we come to you in the name of your son jesus christ and in the power of your spirit mm-hmm. and lord we pray that you would remove the log from our eye and that you would help us to um, not be blind to the sin in our own lives, Mm. of our own failures to walk in accordance with the gospel, of relying on what we think we think rather than what we do, of having an inordinate concern for the praise of men, um, being inordinately shaped by ungodly fears, and um, settling for justice rather than going further for mercy. So, Mm -hmm. Lord, um, forgive us for our sins, we pray. Lord, we do grieve at the state of your church, your bride in Canada, the one that we are most familiar with. We are grieved especially by those brothers who have high and lofty ideals and professions and yet who have failed to live up to them
2: Mm.
1: and lord we confess that we are all sinners and yet we do fear that the leaven of hypocrisy has infected the church that it has spread and we pray that you would deliver your bride from such a disease, mm. and we do pray for the repentance of men that they would learn not to blaspheme mm. that they would stop opposing the gospel and the church and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the name of upholding the gospel and the church and the Lordship of Jesus Christ mm. um. Lord, we don't desire a political solution of niceties and vanity and a truce. We desire sincere repentance. Uh, We desire genuine reconciliation. And if it weren't for your son, Jesus Christ, we would have no hope for that happening. But we thank you that while there is breath, there is hope that Even the most hardened hearts can be softened in a moment by your grace. Hmm. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do this. We pray for all the victims and their families who have suffered under the heavy hand of tyranny and abuse and injustice. We pray for those who have seen the light of your church extinguished. Hmm. The city on a hill has become a whore. And we pray for the witness that has been marred that it would be restored. Mm -hmm. And um, we pray that in these dark days, Lord, that you would restore the light of your church and that you would, as you are lift, as your son is lifted up, that many would be drawn to him. Mm -hmm. And we pray that we would also be humble that we would be quick to forgive, that we would not let um, a stronghold of the devil take root in our heart as well. And we pray that in all these things, you would glorify yourself in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, brother. Uh, So just to end it off, Alex, how about you tell the folks where they can find you and what you're doing at Dominion Press and Dominion Podcast.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. It's great to connect. And... um, You can find us, dominionpress.ca is our website. Uh, You can subscribe for free and get all of our resources. We have a couple articles that come out per week. We try to get a podcast out every single week. We recently did a series on Christ and the nations, thinking through Mm -hmm. the relationship of Jesus and his authority to the nations, to Canada and to the nations of the earth. Um, Check that out and uh, follow us on social dominion underscore press i think is our twitter handle and the dominion podcast is on twitter as well you can follow
0: us and keep up to date with what we're doing awesome i'll make sure that the links are in the description and until next time guys salida, Gloria. thanks for listening to the theotvd podcast if you found this content helpful or edifying please leave a review on apple google spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.